This is the OTP, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans, making it easy to get you the health coverage you need for less than you think. Visit FBHP.com. I'm Mike Keith. The Titans made a change in their coaching staff on Monday. Mike Vrabel announcing it at his noon press conference. I had a chance to visit with the head coach for Titans Radio a little bit after this and hear Mike Vrabel's comments about his move on the OTP. Mike Vrabel, uh, earlier today at your press conference, you announced that Craig Aukerman has been relieved of his duties as your special teams coordinator. What kind of things go into a decision like that on a Monday as you enter week 14? I mean, just looking at the direction in which we need to head and, you know, one, who we are, are, who we have available to us and, and what we feel like they can get done and how we need to uh, always want to be sound and want to be able to, um, you, you know, I mean, in this instance, just, you know, protecting those guys that, that we feel like can help us, whether that's our returners or, or our kicker, our punter. And, uh, you know, I think this is just something that, you know, over the course of, you know, I think uh, the, the season it was necessary at this point in time just to, to, to make a change. You have Tom Quinn on staff. He's an experienced hand, spent a lot of years with the New York Giants. Who exactly is he and, and how does he fit in this way for you at this moment? Well, he's done a great job for us. He's been a great teacher. I think he's, you know, helped that unit. Um, you know, and I think that there'll be more opportunities, obviously, going forward for him to you know, to lead and, 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 and bring ideas to us and to, to me and, um, you know, continue to develop our young players is something that's very important. Ryan Stonehouse is out for the year. He has been a guy over the last two years who's done a, a really nice job for this ball club. How much do you have to change as far as your thoughts with the punting game and that part of special teams, knowing that you're going to have a different guy in there next Monday night at Miami? Well, I mean, I think you have to, you know, every time you – you know, have to punt, right? You know, I mean, trying to figure out what we're going to do and, you know, how we flip the field and, and who that punter is going to be and you know, how you protect them and how you cover it. And I think we're still, you know, I mean, we're going to have to still punt the ball, hopefully not as many times as we did on Sunday. But, you know, at some point in time, we're going to have to punt it. Were you surprised that Nick Folk punted it as well as he did? No, no, I'm not. I mean, Nick's been, you know, very reliable. Would have liked to have that extra point back. But I uh, appreciate him stepping in there and punting the other day. That's Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. We had recorded a full OTP before the news hit about Craig Ackerman and Tom Quinn and Ryan Stonehouse. And so we want to go ahead and let you hear that conversation. I'm joined by Titans Radio's Rhett Bryan and also Ramon Foster as we talk about the game itself between Tennessee and Indianapolis and the overall game that the Titans have to keep in mind as they go through the rest of the 2023 season and head towards 2024. Here's my conversation with Rhett Bryan and Ramon Foster from Titans Radio on the OTP. You were very busy on Sunday, unfortunately or fortunate we, we like having you on the broadcast you are a, an integral part of what we do we appreciate your talents we don't want to hear from you about injuries as much as we did in the game against the indianapolis colts 
How hectic was it down there for you with everything that seemed to be going on all at once? Mike, honestly, it was a lot going on. Um, and even before the injuries, there was a lot going on. Offensively, the communication, I felt like, was probably one of the highest I've seen on the sideline in a while. Um, and on the other side of the ball, defensively, we saw some penalties that resulted in Jeff Simmons going to the secondary, talking to them, and then return. Sean Murphy Bunting came down to him to have a conversation. There was a lot happening in between the game before the injuries even you know, started piling up. Um, you can tell it was divisional. You can tell the matchup was close. You can tell that the Titans wanted to win this game on Sunday. But it was a matter of, to, to your point, um, injuries kind of taking over a good bit. Um, little situations where the coach kind of bested you, whether that be coaching, schematics, whatever the case may be. But yesterday's sideline was the sideline of a team that was adamant on trying to knock off the Colts and came up short. There was a lot going on. So you consider all of that, even like the the Levis getting on to Hopkins thing, you consider all that very positive. And normal. It's supposed to happen. Will Levis is at at, at a real smart turning point when it comes down to how he's viewed, the expectations of him, and where he's at right now. How he's viewed is he's the young guy. The expectations is you're the new guy. And what he has to do is change the narrative on what they think about him. So him going at D-Hop, to me, was very positive. It to, it, it, to me, showed that he's grown up. A lot of coaches will tell you, you're rookies when you come into the league. And when you start to play, you're a football player now. We got to throw that rookie thing out of the way because now that you're a starter, you're expected to make plays. We can't make the excuse of youth be your main crutch every single time something goes on. And especially from a guy like D-Hop to, you know, Will Levis. It's the idea that we're equals now. I know you just broke this record and everything, but as far as my distribution of this football and me considering myself to be a leader type on this team, I need to show you that. And I thought that was a positive for him, even if they lost the game. Moving forward, Will Levis is now a pro. Ramon, and to piggyback off of that, these are things you cannot manufacture in a practice setting or in anything else. And and while a lot of these guys come from major college programs in big places, big arenas, this is the NFL. And in the three hours and 34 minutes this game took to, to finish, there was a whole lot of moving parts. You just described just a part of it. But that's the part that you're encouraged by is what I'm what I'm hearing is that no, it 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 sucks that they lost in overtime, the whole deal, but there's some teachable moments, growing moments, learning moments there. It is and what you have to do to and um, it happened with me in my second year. I was playing next to a guy, Flozell Adams. Mm-hmm. Mean guy, okay? <laughs> Didn't smile, don't see a whole lot. And it got to a point to where our relationship, because we were playing against one, one another, playing with one another on the same side, well, I had to just establish a Flozell, man, I'm with you. We're teammates. You help me, I'm going to help you. Because there is a separation of you're young and you don't understand what's going on. That had to happen. Me and Flozell's conversation had to happen because he was in a space in his career to where he's seen everything, done everything. It was my expectation to just fall into it and learn. Like, no, the open communication and the back and forth, I don't think fighting is a part of it. It may be sometimes. 
But the idea that I'm not somebody that you can talk down upon has to happen in real moments. You build scars. Um, and I know we'll probably talk about Jalen Duncan here in, in a while, but here's the other thing behind it. All of us have been in a situation where we're dads, whether we're husbands, spouses, boyfriends, whatever the case may be. And this is where I can contend a lot of this fan base have to understand the growth of this team. I can personally say this, Mike Keith. I'm a better husband and father than I was five years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can say to yourself, sure. three years into parenthood, Rhett, and, and, and Mike, y'all didn't know a thing, but you got better. Right. And that's where the, the progression of this team, to me, has to somewhat be understood. Because we're looking at the longevity of a team and how you compete to where you're not buying everybody's free agents, then you got to grow. You got to understand that Jalen Dunk is going to be a little bit better if he continues to get reps and live moments. And Will Levis should be a little bit better if he can go at D-Hop and understand, well, now the pressure's back on me. I can't call out players and not answer the call. We get better over time if somebody believes in us. There was the times where my kids, my wife had to believe in me that I'm going to be a little bit better. And I did. I feel like if you ask all of them, is dad better? Is mom better? Yeah. But you also got to have the belief the work ethic at it, and, and 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 the drive to be better. And the, this team has that. It's just a little shorthanded. Let me say this, Ramon, and your application, and it certainly applies to the Titans and anybody in a team sport. Two-thirds of this conversation have children who are grown, and we're still learning. Oh, sure. There is no manual. There's, there's curveballs, and life throws things at you. But we're learning all of the time. It's just a little different and a little easier because they're not so dependent on us. Well, and your application there applies to Mike Vrabel. Because as, you're, as you have the grown children, let's go to being the parent of grown children and being the head coach. He's learning how to manage this group right now because this is not like a team that he's had. This is a, a young team. This is an inexperienced team. This is a team that hasn't been together over half this roster, wasn't here a year ago. And so he's trying to form fit all of this with how he handles a Levis, how he handles an Aziz Alshire, how he handles DeAndre Hopkins, how he handles Anthony Kendall, who covers kicks from you know a very small school outside of Cleveland. I, I mean, all of this is a learning and growing process. And I thought his comments post-game were very much aimed at that fact that he understands who his team is right now. He's not coaching the 2019 Titans or the 2020 Titans. He gets that he is trying to coach the 2023 Titans. 100%. And, and it's, this is an excuse-making for Vrabel. If we can all sit here right now and have a, a reality check moment, Mike, you summed it up perfectly. This is a way different. We're talking about different coaches. We're talking about the management of two stud running backs. Let's think about that. Who wants to manage, manage Tajay versus Derrick? Think about that with a first-year OC here in Nashville and Tim Kelly. Also, while trying to make sure your first-round wide receiver can stay on the field. Okay, but you're also having your premier, well, your number one wide receiver be Nick Westbrook Aquino, respectfully. Okay, who are your guys? It is a buildup. But what you can't do is put the, 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 the cart before the horse on this one. This team is at a portion to me. Coaches involved and everybody's included. Ownership included. Front office included. To where you can't fall victim to saying, I know we got this amount of money in the offseason. 
So let's stop coaching and wait for better players to get here. I still got to coach up Jalen Duncan. I still got to coach up uh, 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 Nicholas Petit-Frere. Sure. Even though he's done right now. Peter Skaronsky. They went through hell yesterday. That left side went through it. And we didn't talk a whole lot about it because of the game Now, why do you flow. say that? Why do you say the left side of the line went through hell in the game against the Colts? And, Mike, here's the thing, too. They needed to, and they held up good enough, but they went through hell because of this. They put DeForest Buckner and, and Samson Ebercom on that side primarily and said, we're going to work these two rookies. Did they get home? Yeah. Did the rookies hold their own? Yeah, they did too. But that has to happen because if those two dudes can stick, they're going to see them regardless moving forward. And they 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 absolutely targeted that left side. There was no place off of Jalen Which is what they should do, right? They should. But, Mike, you come out better on the other end if you say to yourself, we know what to expect moving forward. I thought Jalen Duncan held up well. I gave him a BB minus yesterday in this performance. Really? Yeah, because I expected, I know what it's going to look like for a young guy going up against Samson Abacon. Or the fact that Peter Skaronsky is going up against friggin' DeForest Buckner. Who's that a freak. That ain't DeForest no, Buckner is a freak. And the reason I said he went through hell, they had no plays off. At least you get a breather. They got no breather, and I wouldn't have given up on them either. If I was a coach, strategically, I'm going at them. That's what's supposed to happen in those types of games. And imagine this. You lost by three in overtime with all that. Now, you talk about Duncan. You gave him a B or B minus? Uh, let's go B minus. Okay. Because it's sad. Why does he deserve a B minus from Ramon Foster? Because I knew what he was getting himself into. Samson Ebercom hit him with a, with a pass rush that was set up plays before that one, okay? He has to learn this. Space. You're athletic. Go close it out. Use your hands. While he waited on that sack, he should have been putting his paws on him in those moments right there. His run game was real good again. I thought he did better with trying to reset his arms and stop the bull rush at, in this game right here. Uh, the false start, understand that. The hard count. Will Levis got a crazy hard count. Got to be smart enough. But I expect the rookie to jump in those moments, right? That, to me, is the expectation. This is growth stuff. Rich, you just said this. You got to go through this stuff to actually get better at it. Michael Jordan didn't become the GOAT. My GOAT, anyway. I consider him the greatest. He's the GOAT. Okay, He's the right. GOAT. He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT on the OTP. But how many times did he lose to Detroit? How many times did he get shunned? They were told him he wasn't the guy. But you got to work through these moments if you think you got the goods. Now, that will be some subtraction in the offseason. But to give Jalen Duncan the B- minus to me is justifiable because he handled the task more than I feel like we've seen anybody at left tackle this year do that. Ramon, they had the ball 38 minutes, 26 seconds. It went 7.29 of a 10-minute overtime period to, your, to the hell you're speaking of. Another growth moment for me was watching Tajay Spears get the ball, knowing that Derrick Henry was more likely not coming back and did not come back. He had a heady play to, to keep a turnover from, from happening. He had more touches, more rushes, more yards than he's ever had. Uh, it's a teachable moment for him, too. It is, and it was a moment that he needed to go through. I think everybody has who's been watching this team has wondered what this game would look like, this Titans offense would look like with primarily Tajay, and we saw that. And I think we see Tajay as 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and you see Derek at 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and you say, boy, we're going to get crushed when it comes down to the running game. You know what? 4.7 to tote. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what happened. And not only that, I think you <laughs> I, I think you diversified the style of offense you're capable of running because Tajay can run in between the tackles. 
He can bounce it outside. We saw him do that numerous times in the sun, in the game on Sunday, and he can also get the hard yards. I saw him lined up on the line of scrimmage wall, get hit at the line of scrimmage, and get eight. But we don't get this, y'all, if we don't put him in these situations. This is, to your point again, this is growth. This is, you'll find us two, three years from now, fellas, saying, golly, this team is good. I hope. And then we got to go back to these moments right here where Jalen Duncan potentially grew up. You know, Taj to appreciate it more. Grew up. Yeah. You know, figuring out yeah. which wide receivers and tight ends are going to be here. Grew up in these moments. It was crazy at one point late in the game. They had Will Levis at quarterback. On his left hip was Tajay Spears at running back, both rookies. Left side of the line at guard Peter Skaronsky, rookie. Jalen Duncan, left tackle, rookie. Tight end Josh Wiley on the line of scrimmage, rookie. And Colton Dowell obviously played special teams, but I, I mean they had five rookies on the field. That that is not a winning formula for right now. I mean it's just not. I, I wish we could convince the OT people that it was, but it's at this point in time it's not the best thing in the Mike. Whole that's world. even if you had five first round picks. Well, that's it. I, I mean you, <laughs> right. you. That's not you win in this league with veterans and you sprinkle in rookies. But to your point. And Rhett, you can follow this. They held up pretty well. They did. They went down the field at the end of the game. It looked like they had the game-winning drive. If if you make an extra point, and we know why they didn't. I mean, there was a lot that went into it. But the the fact of the matter is, Will Levis and Tajay Spears took them down the field at the end. I, I understand why Mike Vrabel's saying you've got to emphasize the positives when you look at that. Not for right at this minute, and that's hard, but understanding that I don't think it's as catastrophic at this moment as what some people perceive it to be. Before you take out the punts, Mike, they had 81 plays on offense. Mm-hmm. That'll tell you. And that's yeah, like, well, yeah, Red, it was, you know, seven and a half minutes into an overtime. But there was a lot of plays before the overtime sure. period ever happened. It was. And, and to give some credit to the Colton Dow real quick, too, two weeks in a row, he's got special team tackles. And I I want to touch on that in just a second. Let me read a spot here for our friends at SeatGeek, the official ticketing partner of the Titans. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to Titans games or any other live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. Many asked in pregame when they saw the inactives 90 minutes before the game, Traylon Burks is up. Why is Kyle Phillips down? Oh, this is a statement about Kyle Phillips. Colton Dowell is going to play a ton at receiver now because Kyle Phillips is out. Mike Vrabel touched on it in the postgame when he bragged on Colton Dowell. Colton Dowell being up had nothing to do with Kyle Phillips at all. And, Red, I, I think it's about what Colton Dowell is adding to special teams. He's been talkative. He's mentioned Colton Dowell by name more in the last couple of weeks than maybe all year, and it's just because that light is coming on in that phase of the game for him. And we all know when you're a seventh-round pick, that's the best way in the world to start buttering the bread. And he will eventually get some opportunities at wide receiver, but right now it was a numbers game and kick coverage team. Well, that's it. You couldn't keep Phillips and Burks up, Ramon, mm-hmm. because you only can have 48 in the third quarterback. Phillips doesn't cover kicks. Burks doesn't cover kicks. 
And as the game turned out with them losing the people they did, they needed everybody that they could get everywhere. And so that's why you you do this. But let's take it twofold here. And, and again, this is no knock on Phillips. This is a numbers game. First of all, Burks. They wanted to get him back out there, even though he didn't have a big role, because he had done a good job fighting back last week. They wanted to reward that, and they wanted to get him back into a flow. Ramon Foster, why is getting him back into a flow so important? Because nothing's like game speed, period. There's no other way to supplement game speed, not even the scrimmages, because they're controlled. Like having him go full speed in motion yesterday and go down the sideline, I actually thought that play was built for him, and they actually went somewhere on that. Um, but here's the thing, too, and we've known this about Vrabel. If you believe in the guys and the work that they put in, and work matters in the NFL, there's no other way to justify playing time other than work, then you reward that also. And the portions that you make up about Colton Dow versus, you know, Kyle Phillips being up, everybody's pathway in this league ain't the same. Colton Dow is very valuable on special teams, and he showed that week after week, and you know what's going to happen next week probably too? He's going to get a hat because he's giving me a reason to give him a hat. And, tra- and Traylon having the ability to show that I'm ready now can be incorporated back into the offense. Understanding what his body feels like on game days now, how to protect himself is going to be something more important to move forward to. And just all in all, why would you not have that weapon out there? He is the one you tap the helmet and say, look at him. Kyle Phillips, respectfully, yes, he can make some plays over the middle, but they were doing that very well with the tight ends throughout the course of this game anyway. Let me ask this from a, from a different perspective. He took a hard shot in, in Pittsburgh, knocked out, cold. Yep. And I go back to my youth when my sister and I were in a car wreck with my mother, pretty severe car wreck. And my dad, the next day, made my mom get back in the car and start to drive again because he thought she would have an issue getting back to driving and that would be a problem i think that was i think that at least is a small part of the plan in getting back out and getting reps yep same thing happened to point. me it is it's a good point i i we uh me and my wife got t-bone in pittsburgh on her side of the car Ooh. and for a long time going through intersections bothersome white knuckle very much yeah. so mm-hmm. so yeah that is a portion of it but and, and like i said y'all i feel like we're we get this but the relaying of information into what's actually happening is a buildup to get to a point where this team is good and sustainable. That's, I think, the biggest gripe that this, the fan base, let's speak about the fan base, sure. wants. They want sustainable winning. Mm-hmm. And sustainable winning may just be first, second round for a while of the playoffs. First, second round, get a knock at the AFC Championship. Like, that to me is how you build sustainable stuff is by building core guys like Peter Skaronsky. Like like having Colton Dowell around, Tajay getting more reps, believing that Will Levis, even as a second rounder, is your guy. But also understanding Big Jeff needs help defensively. Right. Like however it takes if you want to get keep Danico after this year. You know what I'm saying? Like these smart decisions have to be made. Nobody wants to do what Tampa done. I know everybody said, well, I'll definitely take the ring. Tampa's dealing with it right now. The Rams somewhat deal with it right now. Look at Bills, Cincy. I got friends who are Cincinnati fans. You know what their mindset is right now? This is it. This is Carson Palmer 2.0. Right. (laughs) Do we want that or do we want something long term? Well, and you look at Colton and you look at the development. Let's talk about Colton down for a second. Seventh round pick out of UT Martin. Really good program in FCS. 
but still having to come a long way to the NFL. It's a long way from FCS to the NFL. You draft him in the seventh round. You don't think a seventh-round pick is going to become your number one receiver. If that happens, God love you. You've hit the it's jackpot. The, it's the greatest thing ever. Whoever the scout was but, needs a bonus. But, somet- <laughs> but sometimes that guy can become your second receiver or your third receiver. Oftentimes that guy becomes a great four who plays teams and who ends up with you for however many years, and maybe he develops more and goes somewhere else to become a two. But the fact of the matter is, Colton's on the track right now to move forward, and they're developing him to get more reps at wide receiver as his confidence grows becoming a special teams player, as his confidence grows becoming an NFL player. The things he can do well now, he's doing, and suddenly He's not the deer in the headlights like he was in minicamp. I mean, in minicamp, there were moments where running the drills, uh, you know, all of the basic things, it's intimidating. It now he looks like an NFL player. And suddenly, as that confidence grows, he's going to get a chance to start helping you on offense. This is the bigger game that's being played right now for this team, other than just the game we saw on Sunday against the Colts. And... If you're listening to the OTP, you're interested enough to understand that it is a bigger game than probably most fans because you understand that it goes way beneath the surface. And Colton Dow, I think, is a primary example of that. It's just hard to stomach. Sure That's it what is. it is. No one likes to lose. Nobody. Nobody. And I'd much rather see Colton's pathway. And I played with a guy, Darius Hayward Bay, that was number one overall pick, seventh, sixth or seventh overall. And he actually did the opposite. And I love and respect Hayward Bay. Okay, Darius Hayward Bay. But he went from a top 10 wide receiver to a monster special teamer. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather be the opposite route. Give me the lower round guy that's a monster on special teams that works his way out, become that lunch pail guy. Now, which one would you live with? I, I like both. Top 10 pick. Okay, it's cool. That means it was trash. But I'll take it. But I'd much rather see my lower round guy turn into a stud special teamer that can help this offense in many other ways sure. other than to be the opposite. Well, I mean, I think, Red, I think he's going to play offense at some point. I think he's going to have a – you see the skill set in practice. You see the things. But now he carries himself like an NFL player. In training camp, he didn't. But guess what? That's normal. And going back to the parent analogy that Ramon Foster made earlier. It, this is the norm. This is a kid growing up in this sequence. And it was one year ago today that Amy Adams Strunk let John Robinson go. And the reason that she did that is because she didn't think at this point we were on a championship arc. She thought we had gone as far as we were going to go on this arc. And so she changed the arc. And in doing so, you understood, internally at least, that you were probably going to have to take a step backward because when things change, like they did, you, you, have, to, you have to go differently when you change philosophy. The Colton Dow example, the Peter Skaronsky example, the Will Levis example, that's exactly what we're doing right now. You're changing the arc, understanding that you got a bunch of cap room in this offseason and that you've got eight draft picks in building on some of these foundational pieces. And, I mean, again, hard to go through, but this is the mindset of all of this right now.
Well, and and also understanding the annual deal that is roster turnover. I mean, the Titans had, what, 47, 48% roster turnover? That's before the season. Mm. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about that and then couple it with what you've been talking about, you can you go, okay. And, and the way you set it up makes sense to those who are listening to the OTP now. It's like, wait a minute. That was a change in landmark right there when John Robinson was relieved of his duties. It's been a year. But everybody, okay. but you forget that because you just played a game this week. Yeah. And and, and I get it. I, I mean, I so get it. I, I, was, I was crushed Sunday night. I don't know how you felt. Usually, I, I was mean, not doing a job. How many games have we done? We've done a few. <laughs> and normally, you win, you're happy, you lose, you're sad, but you've... I mean, we have to go home and go to work Sunday night on the radio shows and the TV shows. I mean, you and I both do the same thing. We sit and work the minute we get home, have supper, and go right to work. Sunday night after the Colts game was crushing. It was as difficult a feeling as I've ever had after any regular season loss because I wanted that one, man. I wanted that one. And these guys are out here. They're flying around. They're giving it all they have. They make mistakes, bad things happen, and yet they keep coming back, and the quarterback's competing his butt off, and the running back is just a bad actor, man. He's a tough guy. And Danico Autry, man, I get turned on watching him play all the time because he's 33 years old. He's laying it on the line, and I don't care for the Colts. And so I'm I'm like everybody else. I get it. But then you wake up on Monday morning and you go, okay. Back to work. And that's what Mike Vrabel has to do right now. So I get where the fans are 100% from how I felt. But at the same time, I don't think you can lose focus on the mission right now. And the mission is bigger than this moment. It is. I mean, listen, you still have the bulk of your remaining games at home. You still have several division games at home. There are still tests to be taken and, uh, you know, some practice and exercise to those exams to finish this thing out. And if you think for a minute that Mike Vrabel is going to let things just fall to pieces and, I mean, listen to him in postgame yesterday. He was as proud of them as he's been in some time because of the way they fought. Did he accept or like the the, the defeat? No. Absolutely not. But he saw guys fighting together with one another as far as they could possibly go. Well, and when you make mistakes, when you say, well, we were, we were, we've just been a mistake or two away from seven and five, or it's true. But the difference in the NFL and why those mistakes happen is you're either not good enough or you're too young or both. And, and that's where, but but can you take the overall and build on it? Can, Ramon, can yes. he take, can Mike Vrabel take yesterday? Can Rand Carthen take yesterday? And can they build on it? 100%. You don't hold your head down in that one. Like you said, that, I was wanting to beat the Colts real bad too yesterday. Okay? <laughs> in a way. Uh, and, no, in, in a good way. We need that, okay? A lot of different, because the payoff was there. The game, it wasn't a bad game. No, it was a bad moment. It was very entertaining, yeah. And, and so here's the thing, too, and I knew this yesterday, uh, and we've been hearing it all year long. Let's, let's compare for a second, okay? Um, Houston. We've all been hearing, well, Houston is doing this, and Houston is doing, and I had to tell somebody on our morning show, I was just like, do something for me. Go look at the roster. 
Go look at what they've had, how they built this up. They at this point look like they fleeced. I mean, uh, Cleveland out of those picks because okay. of the Deshaun trade. Yeah. They've been bad for a while anyway, so they got some high draft picks. They fired two coaches back to back and gave them both payouts to leave town. That right there is a rough life as a fan. They've somewhat got the payoff with C.J. Stroud and everything, but they got two tackles you like. They got a defense that's better than most people would give them credit for. They got people in spots. From where, where we are right now, we're comparing. You hadn't been that bad to get to this point, okay, to where Houston is. You're still relevant. You're still competing. And you also understand directly what your deficiencies are. That's what I'm saying as far as where this team is building. When was the last time you guys have done a little bit longer than me? Just a couple years, okay? (laughs) When was the last time that you guys have collectively, we're talking about building a baseline of expectation moving forward, even in a losing year, that you've talked about every single rookie? Well, and they all play, and the, all the drafteds play offense. Talk about it, man. I mean, that's the whole thing. The what? whole draft class was offense, and then you've gotten some undrafteds who are core special teamers, and you're you know you're doing some different things there. But I think one of the contentions that that you're going to have, and one of the things that I think, is that when this year is over, and I hope it's with a five game win streak and a trip to the playoffs. That'd that's what I hope. Fantastic. That would be fantastic. But. Whether it is or whether it isn't, you're going to walk in in early January and you're going to say, we know exactly what we have. They're going to know exactly what they have. They're going to know exactly what they need. They're going to know. I mean, and, and listen, the quarterback thing, if you've got the quarterback thing solved, oh. which I, I, I strongly think we're, we're, we're getting a pretty good answer to that. That is the major box to check. Well, and to understand this too, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, whatever, understanding what he will cost you against the cap in year two and year three, if he's the dude, you know, all the stuff about all these guys who went so high in the draft, it's one thing. But for him, now you'd have to pay him in year four if he's the dude. But for two years – the talent you can stockpile around him, just like Seattle did with Russell Wilson, just like what New England did with Tom Brady. The people you can keep, the people you can sign. I, I mean, it, it's a big deal. Uh, just start there. And, I, I mean, that's a, that's a very exciting thing going forward. It gives you a moment to breathe is what it does. You're not chasing anymore. You're not searching. And, of course, if it's Levis, that means there's no Tannehill. Let's take some of that cap. Let's let's really think about what we're getting ourselves into. Like, you can really navigate an offseason to really set yourself up for not just now. Again, I'm much the long-term the success long-term. of this team. And I guarantee you that's what Rand, Miss Amy, Vrabel, the ones that get it know. Well, and I think it's the Seattle model. I mean, how good were the Seahawks? With Russell Wilson. On a rookie deal with this, the Legion of Boom. With the Legion of Boom. Yeah. I mean, 10 years? Yeah. yeah. How many Super Bowls they go to? Two, Two. right? Two. How many should they have won? Two. 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 Um, I, I mean, would you take that because suddenly you can re-sign the really good players when Peter Skaronsky's contract comes up? No problem. No problem. We got money for him. You can also plan for the quarterback with you could say okay in year 4 we're going to have to pay him this and we could potentially structure a contract in this way and we can have other contracts ending 
you know, it's the it's the beautiful mind <laughs> thing, but you're able to do it early. I mean, this offseason, the Titans didn't have much money. They had to roll the dice on some mid, middle of the road free agents. Some balling money. on a budget, Mike. They were balling on a budget. Yeah, I mean, Dillard <laughs> unfortunately didn't work out, but some other guys have, you know, and th- and that's the way you play it. But it, Mike, even there, the Dillard conversation, right. it's, it's a hot one. Even the understanding of what you were getting yourself into. Philly draft him, so hey, we'll take Philly at his word. He mm-hmm. was your type of player. But you know what Ran and Coach Rabel in the front office, many people did? We'll sign you a three-year deal. The way it breaks down to me always is my motto. If it's a four-year deal, you're getting two. If it's a three-year, you get one. You got an exit. They have an exit if they want That's after right. that three-year I, I deal. Mean, so it's a – you take a chance and you understand – you know, people think you're inve- you've invested 30 – no, you haven't <laughs> really done that. Um, you, and if it had worked, you got a bargain. Well, yeah. I mean, you've won $10,000 off a dollar scratcher. Yep. You know, I mean, that's the that's what happens in that instance. If not, you move on. And, you know, and, and if it's Duncan, I mean, you've got $10,000 off a dollar scratcher. And I mean, that's the biggest thing in our conversation that I'm just keep thinking about is you have six rookies who have played significant amounts of football. And a handful of undrafteds. And all of those guys are getting their education. To go back to your parenting uh, application, they're all getting an education right now that could pay some nice dividends in 2024 and forward. The cornerstones are there and around. I think we know Jeff's there. I think we know Peter's there. Levis is around. Um, you, Amani, still, like, there are some pieces in place that you feel very comfortable about. And addressing the defense is something that has to be done at some point. We understand you cannot let Jeff be the only one. Sure. You know, it's all there for the taking. It really is. And it's it's hard to tell fans, you know, that don't have the information and conversation intel that we do. Like, it'll get greater. It should, if you trust this method. Just looking at the base year one of what this new tenure has done. Well, Amy Adams Strunk saw it. She knew that they would have to pay some prices in 2023 for some cap things and some contracts rolling off. She understood that. She also knew in 2024, I mean, it's 80 million plus clear money. And they won't spend it all. I mean, they won't have to spend all up to the cap. I mean, they will be able to to be able to work deals through the next few years that give them the chance because being allowed had, to be rollover. She, yeah. her yeah. feeling was as the as the owner, they had come to the end of a time, and one year later, I think we see it. I, I think we see what she thought, mm-hmm. and that is now it's time to roll into the next period. We have some time where if everything had worked out great, this team's probably seven and five right now. It didn't, so this team is four and eight, and next year you're going to have some things that have a chance to go a lot better, a lot faster, because you can fit things in to to get right back to not only competitiveness, but contending potentially. At your worst, you went toe-to-toe with the Colts. Um, Jacksonville was good till late, and you got to see what Houston's going to present to you also. We're just talking about the divisional games, right? right. And if that's where we are, where we are, then I'd much rather live in that world knowing it's got to get better the, the, the next years to come. Well, it's going to get better. Yeah. 
I mean, because you're going to go get better players. And you, know, and you and the players that you have will be better. And, and the one team that, of course, made you target number one is offseason the Colts. They got hardly any reps with their franchise quarterback moving forward, too. Well, and that's the interesting thing about them, Rhett, is if Anthony Richardson's the quarterback right now, the Colts have a better overall team because, like Houston, they've been down, so they've drafted well and they've invested money. I mean, their, their 53 is very good. But if Richardson's the quarterback right now, they probably don't have as good a record as they do with Menchu, a veteran quarterback right now. And so next year, I think they're going to the playoffs this year because you look at their schedule. I think they're going to the playoffs. But next year, there could potentially be a regression as Anthony Richardson has his full rookie year as their starter. Instead of being probably five and seven with Richardson right now, they're seven and five. Mike, to your point, let's talk about the other division team that we've been mentioning in Houston. CJ Stroud has done very well, but as defenses get more film on him, he will have his challenges, and it's whether he makes the counter adjustment or not. That's what we're going to see in this, and I'm not. And I'm not wishing any ill will towards CJ Stroud. I'm just saying facts. This is what happens. Works. Yeah, it is. It's how the league works. The more tape you get out there, the same way we spoke, spoke about um, uh, Jalen Duncan. Like, I knew the sack was going to come at some point. Like, he's giving up an ample amount of space between him and the rusher. You can't give a two-way go. But you know who, where, you, where you learn that in? Reps. You learn that in messing up in tape. You learn that in, hey, understanding, like, this is my strong suit. I can't square a guy up. I need to attack a guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. tape matters in his league, Rhett, to your point. C.J. Stroud's tape is going to expose a lot, and I'm sure uh, Jacksonville coaches, Titans coaches, and Colts coaches are going to go in a dark room this offseason. How do we break them down? The same way they're going to attack Will Levis mm-hmm. and try to keep everybody else that they keep down also, you know? It happens. It does. It's always game on with Duncan, so grab a coffee and kick off the action, whether that's drinking a cup of coffee on your way to the game or grabbing one to go before watching the game at home. Duncan is always there to help you get your game on. Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time, which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual. It's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. Ramon Foster, Rep. Brian, you made me feel better. <laughs> you've, you've got me ready to go to Miami next week. Thank you. Well, thank you. This I has been kind of, therapeutic for me as well. I was a little down, but you've reminded me. You've reminded me of uh, of why I'm generally optimistic. It's the season to be thankful and grateful. Well, we're thankful and grateful all the time. We're, we're glad to be here. Absolutely. Always have been for a long time, and we will continue to be. Um, and I think the um, I think the pain of Sunday night was a reminder of how much you want it. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. This team was in it. It's not like you rolled over. You lost Derek. You lost Big Jeff. You lost a, a, a numerous amounts of guys this week, and you still competed. If for, if for anything that's a positive going into that Sunday night that you said wasn't that great, Mike, was this. This team kept it, kept it close in a game where Jeffrey Simmons was out for the majority of the third and fourth quarter. Derek left the game also, and they had to scheme up two block punts to win the game. Imagine that. That was a schematic situation, and you still lost by three in overtime. You're not that far away. You caught some bad breaks. Well, and the, the other part of it, too, is they fought. And your 
your portion about early on this edition talking about the sideline being like it was. Yeah. The sideline being alive. The, the, that's good stuff. That that's what you that's what you want to have happen is you want a, an alive sideline because an alive sideline is into it, believes and is pushing. It is. And it also kills that narrative that some people ask me when I'm out in gyms on the road on the radio. Because Vrabel lost his team. You don't lose a team of what I saw on the sideline. Everybody's in on winning. Win- losing sucks. Nobody <laughs> wants to collect a check and lose. It's much better when you win. And what I saw on the sideline Sunday was guys adamantly going at each other. Coaches coaching up hard. I saw Coach Charles London. This is another thing I did not mention. I saw Coach Charles London, after Levis threw the touchdown in the end zone, run over to Tannehill and fist bump him. So to me, there had to have been some level of involvement where Tannehill saw something that relayed to Coach London and said, hey, do this. This is there. You You don't find a coach sprinting to Tannehill to fist bump him unless everybody's involved in on the win. Everybody's in on the culture. So I like to kill that narrative right here, right now, for the people listening to the OTP right now. Your head coach hasn't lost a locker room. You've lost some games. You've lost some bad moments. But the fact that he doesn't have a grip and heartbeat on what's going on, I saw him sitting down with the offensive line with a tablet, coaching up, you know, guys on the sideline with the O-line. He's a defensive guy. So to say he's not in touch, in tune, or nobody listens to Vrabel, that's a lie. Everybody listens to Vrabel. You guys got me tapping my feet over here. Here we go. (laughs) Ready to go in? I'm ready. I can get you a quarter. I can give you a quarter. (laughs) Red could get us a play. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) That's what what Blaine Bishop said on Sunday. He goes, I could give you a play. I know the feeling. Um, For Rhett Bryan and for Ramon Foster, I'm Mike Keith. Thanking you for listening to the OTP.